morning, folks. It's great to be together. If you'd like to be finding your seats, please, that would be great. We're going to start in a minute. Okay, well, a very warm welcome to you. Uh, my name's Andrew, if we've not met. I'm one of the leaders here in Harvest, and uh, a very, very warm welcome to you this morning. It's great to be together, isn't it? Um, I guess it's fair to say this last week's been somewhat tumultuous on the political front and as a nation in all sorts of different ways. And as we come to gather this morning, it's so easy to come and drag all of the last week into our time together and that uncertainty or, or, or everything else that may have been going on in our week. And I just want to encourage us to pause for a moment and consider the faithfulness of God. And uh, we have a God who won't let go, reveals himself as steadfast in his love for us, passionate in his love for us. He's for us as his people. If you're a Christian, you need to know God is for you. And that's a wonderful thing. And uh, I want to encourage us, let's just consider that for a moment. Before we come into uh, expressing our worship and Katie and the band are going to do that, I want to encourage us just to pause for a moment. And as we do so, and as we consider the faithfulness of God, can I ask you to ask yourself this question, Lord, have you got anything for me to give this morning to help us together as a fellowship because the Bible talks about when you gather together for the strengthening of the body that's uh, one brings a psalm a hymn a spiritual song a reading a prayer a tongue an interpretation all these gifts they strengthen us together and so I want to encourage us as we've got a pause now just pause and think Lord have you got something what's on your heart what's on your heart for me to bring today so Father we want to come before you and we want to pause now in your presence. I want to remember that you're a faithful God. That you're passionately for your people. That's us. And you love to give good gifts to us to strengthen and encourage one another. Help us to hear you for each other today. That we would be strengthened as a body together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you have got something to share, please can I encourage you to come forward and find me. So you can use the microphone so everybody can hear. Katie and the band again help us to worship God. Thank you.
Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everybody, on this beautiful, sunny morning. Um, if you're able and willing, would you like to stand? Oh, 
the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the and through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my
children to go down to their groups. If you're new and you've not visited us before and you've got children, um, please follow the crowd into the back corner there. They'll show you where to go to your different groups. chapter 8 says what shall we say about such wonderful things as these if God is for us who can ever be against us since he did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all won't he also give us everything else can anything ever separate us from Christ's love does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so the goodness of God. Let's sing verse one again. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I Let me through the fire. 
I just felt uh, God wanted to continue on from where Christine, uh, what Christine shared. And I was just, as Christine was sharing, even then I was looking at the whole thing of the wonder of God, of how God has saved us through Jesus, but also how we struggle day to day, you know, through suffering, through sickness, through troubles. And, and there, there's that, you know, that... Uh, tension isn't there where we're singing about the wonder of God but also in our lives we go Lord why is it like this and Paul said this to the Corinthians therefore we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And as we've just been singing God's praises, that's what we're doing. We're fixing our eyes on the unseen, the eternal, the wonder of God. We're worshipping him. But there may be folk here who... I just can't do that. I just can't worship God today. I'm just struggling too much. And so we're just going to pause and pray. Give an opportunity for you to bring those things before God. Maybe you just want to cry out to him. You know, Lord, why is this so unfair? Why am I struggling so much? Why have you let this happen? God understands. He loves us so much. So we're just going to, I just want to give a few moments for you to, in the quiet of your heart, come before God. And if there's things you want to deal with, with him now, just do that and then I'm going to pray. Father God, sometimes... Life can seem so unfair. It appears that you let things happen to us and we struggle. We hurt. Lord, we don't understand. Father, I pray that we would look to you. We would trust you. We, not only that, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be near to us, encouraging us comforting us. I pray, Lord, for your healing for those, whether are sick, struggling emotionally, mentally, dealing with issues in their lives. Lord, I just pray for us as a church. Would you come and draw near, meeting needs? Lord, you are a loving Father and you have good things for us. But sometimes life is hard. But I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to look up and see you, even in the midst of our struggles, Lord. Lord, I pray you bless each one of us with a, a closer relationship with you, of, with comfort, with healing, with your blessing, Lord, I pray. Amen. I think it'd be good to just 
Either that, a little bit of that last song. Just... Rossi, how great is our God? Thank you. We're just going to do a bit of that one again, I think, to spend a bit of time in that. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see how Great and mighty God, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the fact that you love us and you bring us into your family. And you don't just put up with us, you delight over us as your children. And you look after us. Wonderful, Lord. You are wonderful in all your ways. We uh, surrender ourselves afresh to you today. Be glorified in all that we are and all that we have, we say, Lord. 
you be glorified. Amen. Amen. Please take your seat if you haven't already. Chris, where are you? Ah, Chris is going to come and uh, just lead us in uh, giving thanks for someone. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Um, the Greenhouse Trust, it's our charity uh, which is has legal responsibility for uh, Harvest Church and for the Maltings. Uh, and there's a group of trustees uh, that oversee the work of the charity and have ultimate responsibility for how it's governed and directed uh, and managed and run. Um, uh, basically, the trustees are responsible uh, to ensure that the vision of the elders and the leadership here, uh, which is to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ and to uh, serve uh, through love, uh, demonstrating that into our community, that that vision is fulfilled in a way that is safe, uh, in a way that is effective, well-resourced, uh, and is legally compliant. So that means a number of things like um, fulfilling our statutory obligations around financial management, uh, around safeguarding, lots of uh, reporting obligations, employment practices, um, managing our resources well, health and safety, and so on. Uh, the trustees, in case you don't know, uh, are Andrew Lawrence, uh, Peter Haddo, um, Sean Mills, uh, Alison Diara, uh, Graham Bland, over there, uh, uh, and me. And we're supported by Chris um, Burrell, uh, who's the company secretary. And for the past 12 years, Ian Dane has uh, also been one of those trustees. Uh, and uh, he's been chair of the trustees for the past five years. Um, and he's just stepped down from that role. So today, Ian, we want to say thank you to you. Please come up. So, Ian, during the, during the time uh, that uh, I've got to know you, I, I've seen that you have brought uh, personal integrity in the discussions that have taken place and the decisions that have been made. Uh, you've given significant time uh, to this role uh, in ways in which many people won't have seen, uh, but I'm sure ways in which Sue will have been only too aware. You've enhanced the clarity and the structure of the way in which the trustees operate. Uh, you have promoted wise stewardship and accountability, which are important. And significantly, uh, during your time as chair, uh, you have helped the trustees to, na to navigate some of the challenges that came through the COVID pandemic. And there are qualities in you that I've seen. You've been gentle, but firm, which is a great way of uh, uh, achieving things, getting things done through collaboration. Thank you. You've been generous uh, with your time, uh, with your expertise, and in your spirit. Uh, you've been understanding, and you have been wise. Uh, and actually, that's not just my observation. That's been endorsed by others who have who fed that back to me uh, as well. 
Now, alongside Ian's work uh, as a trustee, um, some of you will be aware that, that Ian is also um, uh, enthusiastic in um, serving and supporting the food bank in autumn, uh, as well as the source um, here, uh, the children's ministry here at Harvest Church, uh, and the local scouts. Uh, and to me, this further illustrates Ian's servant heart, his compassion for those who face struggles, and his desire for young people uh, that they would enjoy safe, uh, enriching activities and that they would come to know the stability of a relationship with Jesus for themselves in this changing and pressured world. So, Ian, we want to say a huge thank you to you. Uh, and we want to give you just a small token of our appreciation. Thank you, Ian. So Ian, may we pray for you. Andrew, thank you. Father God, we want to thank you for the personality and the gifts with which you've equipped Ian. Thank you for the commitment and service that he's given through the Board of Trustees. Thank you for how he's applied wisdom and experience from business and from life to see the name of Jesus honoured and your kingdom come in autumn. And we thank you for Sue and her support of Ian. And so, Lord, we want to ask that you would refresh and renew Ian and Sue for the next season of their life as the ways in which they live for you and serve those around them adapt and change. We want to ask that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would know your heart and mind, and that you would continue to lead them in your paths. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Chris and Ian. We are so grateful. Thank you. I don't think I've ever seen Ian look quite so uncomfortable, um, but uh, we are truly very, very grateful. And um, right at this point, we're going to ask Mark to come and bring God's word to us. He's uh, going to be bringing the last part of our balance series, our pre-teaching series we've been doing over the last couple of months. So uh, Mark, come and uh, share God's word with us, please. You know that thing on Teams where you're on mute? Anyone know that? <laughs> Sorry about that. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, I, I'm Mark. We've been around here for a while, um, but Andrew asked me to share this morning. Um, just before we do, I just want to thank those who've contributed because it's been a really, uh, a, a really good lead-in to what I want to say, and there are many themes that overlap, so they may, you may see if you can pick them up. Just a thought I had came to mind. Um, 
Amy Carmichael, a missionary in India, uh, wrote some really challenging books. She lives in very challenging situations around the turn of the last century. Uh, and she wrote a book called Things As They Are. Really, really challenging book. It was effectively banned by, from publication because it was too brutal. It said, not brutal in the physical sense, but it explained how difficult it was in the situation that she's in. And it was, people didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to know about it. They just wanted nice, positive stories about how everything was going well. That book is still available. But it just reminded me of one of the things that sort of come out or come out this morning that, and I'm going to share on it a bit, about this, um, this balance between the glory and the freedom of God and actually where we live. And one of our challenges is that we, we, live, we live in the midst of that, and it's okay. <laughs> it's absolutely okay. Jesus said that he didn't want to take us out of the world, but he wanted to put us in it. Uh, and, you know, that's the thing, that that's kind of what we work out, isn't it? So, um, if I could have the first, the first slide, please, Rossi. Um, I am talking, uh, I'm following the theme of balance, and I'm talking uh, this morning about boundaries. But what I want you to take away, the title that I want you to get hold of is about being the best that I can be. I don't necessarily mean in career terms, I mean in God. I mean, I want us to go away from here with a sense of, I want to be the best that I can be. Um, And what I'm looking at this morning is the balance between this great idea of freedom that we see in the gospel and the idea that there need to be some personal boundaries. These are limits that we set uh, for ourselves within our relationships. So my focus is being on the best that we can be in God by grace, the best that I can be. And I'm going to just illustrate a little bit of that with a couple of pictures. So first you've got an open desert. Um, if you've ever had the privilege of going out to, into the desert early in the morning under an endless sky and you, can, you get this amazing kind of smell that comes with the breeze and this expanse that's in front of you where the horizon is just beyond you and you could be the only person within literally hundreds of square kilometers, there's an incredible sense of freedom. It's a sense of both being alive and yet being insignificant. There's a sense of majesty and awe and wonder, but there's also something about a bit of fear because there's no boundaries. There's nothing around you. It's just endless. It's a kind of open transaction with your environment, if you want those terms. And there's another picture, which is the opposite of that. It's a gated community. And and this isn't, if any of you live in gated communities, it's fine. I'm not talking about gated communities in that sense. I'm talking about the principle about living with a wall around you and a gate in front of you. Where everything is secure, it's where it should be. But actually... There's no sense of wonder, and there's no sense of the enormity of purpose and meaning. It's contained, it's secure, it's safe. And those, that's the continuum, if you like, we're talking about. You've got over here, you've got this endless sense of immensity of God, and you've got over here this thing that says, but we want to be secure, and we want to be tightly bounded, and we don't want to be disturbed. We're talking about that this morning. Um, It's an illustration about why... We need balance. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk a bit um, about behavioural boundaries. 
and behavioural boundaries, these are the things that, that the kind of rules and things that we might need to put in place. And they're necessary for our mental health and, and our sense of identity and our emotional well-being. Now, immediately, some of you, if you had a kind of background like I had, you're probably already reacting to, why on earth do I need to think about that? Surely that's just something that comes from modern psychology. Bear with me. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, uh, what I need to do, though, is I need to set out that my qualifications. I'm not a trained psychologist. I'm not a counsellor. I don't have any formal qualifications in this area. I do have decades of working with people in work, in churches, and I've had to learn myself about issues around mental health through my leadership role uh, and also personally. Uh, and I want to thank my wife, um, who has been a real help for me in this area. Now, all I can hope to do in 15 minutes here is, might be a little bit longer, not too much longer, uh, is, to, is to really give you the confidence that when we talk about these personal boundaries, they are helpful, they're probably essential, but my most important point is they're completely compatible with a sound understanding of the Bible. If you want to know the detail, you probably want to talk to people who are experts in the area. But what I wanted to do is set a framework about something which is talked about outside of the church, but not often talked about inside of the church. And I want to give you the confidence it's okay. I want to give you the confidence that we can talk about it. And I also want to talk about something else, which is for some of us, we don't go anywhere near the need for it <laughs> because we don't allow ourselves to get in that space. And, and in my continuum... In the nicest possible way, you might need pulling a bit further into the middle. It's about balance. So, hopefully you're still with me. Let's start off with talking about the idea of freedom. If we could go to the next slide, please. Um, freedom's an idea. It's kind of really attractive. But I'm not entirely sure I know what it means. I think it's one of those things, that, like a mountain range, that when you look at it from a distance... It looks really fascinating and great, and, and it's amazing, like looking at the Rockies from the, across the, the plains. But when you get close to it, freedom's actually quite intimidating. <laughs> what does it mean? Um, you know, we might be tempted in a wet January morning that we think actually all that freedom really means is having enough money to go where we want to go, somewhere warm, somewhere where not having to work for our money, being able to choose where we want to go, swim in the sea, Walk, walk on the beach. You know, we can think that money gives us a sense of freedom. Um, it's almost certainly true money can't buy you spiritual freedom. It probably allows us to be comfortable and when we're miserable. Um, other people, you know, you could look at freedom from a different area. You could say, Janis Joplin sung, freedom's just another word for nothing less to lose, left to lose. Sounds good, not sure it helps. Jim Elliot, a missionary, said, a man is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's devastatingly poignant if you know his story. But at the heart of the gospel, there is this amazing sense of freedom. And I could try and summarize it in this way, that we've got a freedom from justifying ourselves before God. So much of what we do is about justifying ourselves before God, before other people. The Bible declares we're free from condemnation. 
we've got the freedom to live in a way that pleases God. We're not looking for everyone else's opinion. We've got a freedom to do good. We've got a freedom to build up others. We've got a freedom to care. Jesus himself said a whole lot about freedom. He said that he had come to set the oppressed free. He said, if the Son, if Jesus sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And then he said that amazing thing that we can't possibly cover now, but he said, the truth will set you free. Paul wrote about being free, and he talked about being free from the power of sin at least six times. Specifically, he said, you've been set free from the power of sin, from that power that drives you to do stuff that you know you shouldn't do, you know it's wrong, you don't know how to break it. Jesus said, I've come to set you free from it. Paul said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's something about the Spirit of God that brings us freedom. Think of that space, that expanse. The Spirit of God brings us into that. The epistle to the Hebrews declares, the death of Jesus freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Money can't buy you that. So the gospel then has got this great declaration of freedom. And, and it's the freedom to be what we're made to be. The freedom to be the best that I can possibly be. It's a freedom that's unconstrained by fear. And it's a confident place. Key word, confident. It's a confident place of thriving. And now I know some of you might say, so Mark, that's my problem with what you're talking about this morning. Because if I've got this freedom, if I've got the spirit... I don't need anything else. I don't need any of your psychology. I don't need any of your ways of kind of managing your behavior. Surely God will just, he'll just sort it all out for me. There's an element of truth in it. And if I'm honest, when I first came to faith 30 odd plus years ago, more than um, sometime, uh, that's what I heard. That's what I was taught. That's what I knew. Don't worry about it, Mark. Just go for it. It'll all be fine. God will fix it all. There's a truth in that, but there's a balance. See, if we look at the life of Jesus, he was almost unbounded. He would spend days ministering to people. He would spend the whole nights in prayer. He was available. The disciples were like, he's been out all night. He's gone out. He's doing this. He was totally, in our words, he was totally available. We read about Paul laboring night and day for the gospel. This man who who preached and then he made tents and then he preached and then he made tents and then he got shipwrecked and then he made tents and then he preached and he just did it. That's what he did. But we also have to recognize that actually there is a balance here. The Bible also, as well as talking about keeping us to the end, the Bible also talks about us running the race. The Bible also talks about us carrying our own load. The Bible has this balance between what it is that God has done and what it is that we have to do. We don't always want to read it, but in the Bible you will read about people who made a shipwreck of their faith. You will read about people, about churches where relationships fell apart. You read about David and Bathsheba. That looks suspiciously like rape to me. I don't know what you want to call it, but when the king goes to a woman when she's bathing, doesn't really look like that's an equal relationship to me. I'm kind of trying to get into this and say this is what the Bible, the Bible's a very real book. It talks about how things really are. We know that Saul, the predecessor to David, he was anointed as king. And when they went to crown him, he was hiding 
among the stuff, as the authorized version says. He was hiding among the baggage. There are many examples where not everybody walked with God the way they should have done. You know that. We also know, unfortunately, where we live today, that there are people who fall in things. We struggle with issues. There are leaders of churches. There are people in churches. Things happen that should never have happened. I'm trying to paint a picture that we are living in this place where we have, we have the grace of God, but we also have the potential that stuff can go wrong. You see, the gospel declares me free. The gospel declares that I'm forgiven, that I'm accepted, that I'm adopted into God. And the gospel declares that I've got value. And because I've got value, I really matter. And because I matter, I've got responsibility. And this is where boundaries come in. Thank you. <coughs> um, it's great <laughs> having, uh, having the slides ahead of me. Um, Paul says this, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Do you see the point? We've been brought into this place of incredible liberty, but it doesn't mean that I can do anything. Or sometimes it doesn't mean I cannot do anything. Um, <clears throat> Paul's reminding us that not everything is helpful. We need to make sure that the things that we could do don't end up controlling us because they get out of hand. And there's two obvious examples of that. The first one is really easy. It's about money. Money's a good servant. It's a very, very bad master. Um, but the other one is relationships. That our relationships can get out of hand. We can be controlled by other people in a way that we don't actually necessarily recognize. There may be other people in our lives who have got too much pull on our lives, and we need to recognize it. It might be an, unhateful, an unhealthy relationship. And of course, in my balance, relationships are not wrong. They're the stuff of life. Relationships is really how we live. Relationships with God, relationships with other people. That's where our life is. But just because that's true, it doesn't mean to say that we can just say, everything's fine. If I follow on from where Christine started last, uh, last week in Romans chapter 12, there's some really interesting things there that I want to pick up on. You see, the right response to the gospel, um, if you could move on to the next slide, please, thank you. Uh, the right response to the gospel is the freedom to open up our minds to allow ourselves to be transformed. We change our thinking, we change our behavior. I'll read it again. I think it was read last week, but I'm going to read it again because it's good. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Paul says something quite startling. He tells us to think with sober judgment about ourselves. 
if you read the book of Romans, you'll realize that the first sort of um, 11 chapters are really all about what God has done. It's all about this amazing doctrine of salvation, about how our lives are hid with, our lives are, are buried with Christ and they've been resurrected again. And, that. and then we get this we get this point where Paul in chapter 12 is really saying, now you, now, okay, I've told you all that. What will you do? Well, we need to change our thinking, but we need to think soberly about ourselves. And what he's asking us to think about this, if you read the remainder of the chapter, he's asking to think about what your gifting is and my gifting is. That's what he's asking us to think soberly about. So if you like, he's saying, Mark, so... So, okay, I want you to think really carefully, Mark, about what is it that you've got that you're contributing to the church? What is it that God has given to you that nobody else can do? And if you don't do it, there's a gap. Sure, somebody will cover it a bit, but there's a space for you, Mark. What is that gifting? That's what he's asking us to think really soberly about. And that's really important when we think about this idea of boundaries, because it means I've got a responsibility. If I don't believe God, if I don't think that I've got any responsibility to God, I can do what I like. If I want to drive my car off a cliff, if I want to do this, I, want to, I can do any of those things. Because I have no real, I don't believe I have an accountability. But if I believe the gospel, I recognize that I'm valued. I'm not irrelevant. I'm not just some biological accident but I have purpose and meaning I am relevant I'm important to God Jesus died for me I matter that's way we can live in that expanse of the freedom of God but the other side of it is I have a responsibility to understand what that means this isn't about selfish protectionism when I think about boundaries and we talk about it in detail a few minutes it's not about how do I protect myself, you know, just because I don't want to get, you know, a little bit rough. I don't want to get anything that's a bit bumpy in my life. It is actually about being able to fulfill all that God has called us to fulfill. It's about allowing us to live healthy lives where we're doing all the things that God would want us to do. You see, in this context, Paul is telling us two things. He's saying, don't overestimate your own worth. Don't think more of yourself than you should do. But also, don't think less of yourself. He talks about thinking according to your faith. So when I think about myself, I'm not allowed to think about myself as I might do sometimes and thinking, actually, I'm pretty rubbish. <laughs> you know, because I can explain that I am. You know, But actually, when I think with faith, I realize, but that isn't faith. That isn't what God has called to me. Of course, there's an element about that's true, but actually God has called me to something else. God has called me to step out. God has called me to step up. God has called me to do something that will change a life, that will make a difference. I think according to faith. And the other thing about this, which is relevant, is that it's personal. You can help me understand what my calling is. You, you can help me in that way, but ultimately there's something that I need to step up into. There's something that's kind of mine uniquely. I think soberly about myself, and I think what it is that I'm called to do, and as a result, I, I step up. But let me just build on this a little bit. Um, for many of us, this idea of self-worth is quite difficult. 
it's really difficult to get that balance between thinking too much and too little. But I think there are, um, there are many of us that would naturally say, it's not for me. <laughs> it's for those guys who stand up at the front and do that stuff. This is exactly why we need to talk about this, because you have value before God. You are value. And everything you do is precious in the sight of God. And one of the things that these boundaries do is they help us maintain that sense of confidence about who we are as people. We don't allow other people to rob us of our inheritance in God. The sober balanced position might lead us to recognize we're not the answers to everyone's prayers. You know, we need to recognize that some of us, we've got vanity and, and you know, that we make us think we're more important than we really are. But also, to repeat what I said, we can't hide and say we don't matter, because we do. And we have a unique role. So we've got the freedom to live and to love and to do good, but we have accountability. And Paul talked about this idea of being self-aware, and that's a key thing that we need to move on. We need to recognize our giftings and our callings. So I'm going to talk a little bit about these boundaries in a minute, but can I just tell you a little story? Um, I think it's got some meaning, so... About, uh, I don't know, 22 years ago or something, we had a, Pam and I were in Mozambique uh, with our young family and some missionaries. We were out there, in theory on holiday, but it, trust me, it was absolutely not a holiday. Um, and we were driving up this thing that's loosely called a road from Beira to Maramea. When I say it's a road, it's actually an interconnection of potholes with a few level bits in between it. It's nothing like a road you've ever seen. Um, and we went around the corner and we, found that we saw this truck on the left-hand side of the road that was destroyed. What had happened is the day before, uh, it had gone off the road. And Mozambique wasn't that long out of the Civil War at that time. And they'd cleared the landmines off the road, but they hadn't cleared the landmines from the bush on either side. There were no boundaries. No problem if you stay on the road. But if you go off the roads, you could hit a landmine. And that's what happened to that truck. There's a couple of things just to draw out on that. The first thing is that we as a family, we were out of our comfort zone. Okay, we've got a, kid, we've got a boy of eight, eight, three years and 18 months old. We're in this place. It's pretty dangerous. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty exciting. Um, but actually, so we're already outside of our comfort zone. But there were absolutely some boundaries. We knew about the situation with the, with the landmine. So our boys, it's like, you do not go near the edge of the road. You do not go anywhere near. So, you know, we, were, we would hold on to them. So we've stepped out of our comfort zone. But even stepping out of our comfort zone, we've created some really clear boundaries for our boys. They aren't getting out of the Land Rover without our hands on them. Because, <laughs> you know, you get the picture that boundaries, boundaries kind of depend on where you are. Um, they're not always just about applying us in comfort space. So, boundaries, they're a line that we set to help us to be mentally and emotionally stable. Um, I've made that point earlier. We can say, well, God will look after us, you know, but I'm saying, if we understand this stuff, why do we expect God to do what we can do? It's part of my reasonable service to look after my mental health, to kind of, if you like, why would I not look after the way I think in the same way I look after my physical health? 
boundaries, they're specific to us, and they're linked to this idea about self-awareness. I might have an issue that I need to put a boundary around in a relationship, but maybe, maybe you don't. You might have a slightly different boundary. Um, what a boundaries are doing is they're defining a space between ourselves and, and other people. I'll use an illustration. We'll pick up on it in a minute. But if I, if I talk to you now about would you ever drive a car without insurance, I hope the answer would be no. But put yourself in a situation where there's someone who you're desperately trying to help and you're stuck in the middle of nowhere and they can't drive the car because they've drunk too much. And you're suddenly in a huge situation where you're under pressure. You're under pressure from that person. You're under pressure of that relationship. Will you just drive me? It's only a couple of miles down the road. Why don't you just take my car? Why don't you just, just do it? It'll be fine. Suddenly, the emotional point, the, that relationship that you're in there is now pushing your boundaries. It's pushing you to a place or me to a place where I have to say no. I'm just using that an illustration. But do you see what I mean? We can, in a room like this, we know exactly what we'll do. But the thing with relationships, if they get out of control, you end up doing things that you know you wouldn't do if you were being rational about it. So they define a boundary between ourselves and other people. Um, boundaries also help us to establish our identity. And they're, seen, and they're crucial for our mental well-being. As I just said, they help us or prevent us getting caught up in the events. And they help me be confident that I'm still in the right way before God. I am still my own person. Um, give you a couple of examples in a minute, but just sort of, let me just close on something here. I think there may be some of us here who don't like the idea that we should think about how we look after our own well-being, we look after our own personal identity. Because you may say, but my identity is in Christ. My, you know, I don't need to worry about me. That's all in God. This is a much bigger subject, but let me just point to you what Paul said. Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, we've got this treasure in jars of clay. And that's really one of the things I'm communicating this morning is we are this amazing mixture. Of, we're, we're spirits, and God, but God has put his spirit in me as a human being, and I'm flawed, and you're flawed. And the thing that we're doing here is we're recognizing the areas where we might get broken, where the jar of clay might be fragile. These are just things that help us. So if we can go to the next slide, please, just give some examples about what I'm talking about. I've just tried to put some examples here. They are examples. They're not rules. They're absolutely not something you should take and do, but they're examples of what I'm talking about. Some of them are straightforward. Some of them are less so. Some of them might be psychological, emotional, they could be physical, but you know, simple one. I keep two evenings a week for my family time. Whether it's work, whether it's church, do I need some space where I can function as a mother or a father or a grandparent or what it, you know, I need some space in that. Do I have the courage to switch off the phone? You know, people talk about being available. Well, do we really need to be available all of the time? Um, there's, a, there's a joke in our house that I think that phones are only useful for making outward calls. Apparently, they receive incoming calls as well. But um, uh, <coughs> another, 
But then I could look in another thing that, much bigger subject, but I don't take on other people's emotional needs. That's why I stress this idea of responsibility, because if I have a responsibility before God, and I'm seeking to bring someone to Christ, I need them to recognize that they also are responsible for their own actions. And if I keep taking their responsibility away from them, I'm not helping them. This is big stuff, isn't it? Um, I also, um, I can't take on emotional needs of someone else. That doesn't mean that I can't help another person. doesn't mean to say that I can't do lots and lots of things to help them. But there has to be some boundary between, between another individual and my emotional needs. I'm talking about outside the family, of course, here. But I'm just trying to communicate here that We've got this amazing freedom in Christ, but we also have to be wise and learn how to use it. Um, I won't do anything illegal for someone else. I made that point earlier. Um, Just worth stressing. We would, I'm sure you'd never think about doing it, but in my experience, I've seen a number of people that have absolutely crossed that boundary, believing they're doing the right thing, believing that, they're doing the right thing to help somebody else. But actually, when you stand back at it and say, what you've done then is illegal. Um, so, I'm going to stress, finish moving towards close where I started from. I'm not an expert in this, but I wanted to create this line of sight, if you like, between God's freedom, our accountability to God, and also our need sometimes to put boundaries around us. There are many people who can really help you much more than I can in details of that. But I want you to see that there's something there which is thoroughly in line with Scripture. If I could just go to the next slide. But for some of us, this is a reminder. This may be an alien conversation because actually for us, what we possibly need to do is open the gates. Possibly what we need to do is step outside of ourselves and maybe take a few risks all around being the best that we can be because there is a continuum in the room there will be there'll be some of us who see the world without boundaries and there'll be some of us who are in our gated communities I'm talking as a picture of course and we all need to step out to the place where we're being what God has called us to be I was um about five or six years ago, I was in, uh, had the privilege of being in New Zealand, and I, somebody was trying to t- teach me to surf. I can't remember what he did. I can't surf properly. But he said this to me. He said, you'll never stand up on the board unless you look up. He said, you've got to look at something on the horizon, and you focus your eyes on it. And that's really what we're saying here when I said about being the best that we could be. If I can leave you with this this morning, that we lift our eyes up, We look up and we focus our eyes on the best that we can be. We are definitely living in a society where there's a lot of rocking around. You know, the board's moving underneath you and the sea's coming and all this. We don't look at that. We look up at what we are to be. And then when you start to do that, you do realize that over time, your body does get used to just kind of unconsciously moving around. Um, If I could just go to the next slide, please, Rossi. And that's my final slide. Just a reminder um, about reaping what we're sowing. All of this comes down to 
what I do today has an impact. If I sow to the Spirit, at some point I or someone else will reap good from that. If I do the other thing, if I close my gates, I become a gated community in my own emotions and life, then I'm constraining that. It's all about the balance. And that is a bit of a whistle-stop tour, as I said. I've covered a lot of ground and hopefully I've not confused anyone. Um, I've tried to be helpful. Um, if I can, Andrew, can I pray? Is that good? Um, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you that you've given us the liberty to live our lives before you. And you've also given us a responsibility to work out our salvation with fear and trembling and to think soberly about who we are and how we live our lives. Father, I pray that you will move amongst us and your spirit will uh, lift, uh, lift our eyes up to see what it is for us to be the best that we could be. What does that mean for us to move us out of feeling that we're no one and move us to a place where we're confident in you? And Lord, if, we have, if we're living unbounded lives where we're in danger of causing things that are unhelpful, God, give us the grace to hear it and to put in place the things that will help us. Father, thank you for the, uh, for the challenge and for the uh, excitement and the opportunity to live, to live out and discover the unbounded space, which is your freedom and liberty. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. When we um, wrote the title to this series and uh, it, what each week was going to look like, um, and we wrote boundaries, it was sort of, I wonder how that's going to work out. Well, Mark, I think that was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you'll be able to take that away and see how it fits together with all the other parts we've had of this series and find time to reflect on it. I feel there's so much in there and uh, I'm sure God was speaking to us uh, in, probably in lots of different ways for our different circumstances, which is fairly normal. What I do want to remind us though is let's remember what God was doing in the first part of our meeting as well. He was reminding us that he's faithful. And I feel for some people, even today, you would have heard what Mark said and you'd be thinking, oh, but can I? And the answer is, no, you can't. But God is faithful and he can. God is faithful and he can. And for some of us, there's a drawing of the Father to him today. And he's saying, hey, you are not going to be able to do this life the way you're trying to do it. And he's drawing us to him and saying, hey, but... In me, all things are possible. So I want to leave that thought with you. Okay, we're going to be bringing our time together to a conclusion in just one moment. Before we do, though, Graham is going to come and remind us of something happening this week. Thank you, Graham. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, I'll let you go in a second. Um, what are you doing next Saturday evening? Oh, thank you. Uh, the 16th, next Saturday the 16th. I have the perfect solution of how you want to spend your time. Lydia, wonderful Lydia, is running another one of her quiz evenings. 
all of the, all, all, every single shilling, Ugandan, isn't it? Ugandan shilling is going towards the King's Royal Primary School in Uganda. Uh, it's been set up by Ugandan friends of Lydia, and I can assure you there could not be a more worthy cause. The key details are as follows. Please do not think about this tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. Think about it now. I want you to come and talk to me or Lydia now. Got the idea? Now. Um, 15 pounds per person here at Autumn Maltings next Saturday, 7 till 10 o'clock. It includes a main meal, a Greek meze, um, an English dessert. If you have a team already, please let me know. If you don't have a team, want to come, you're the only one, come and see us, we'll fix you up with a team. It will be a fun evening. I guarantee you, you'll get at least one question right. Probably. <laughs> yes. Um, so please invite neighbours, colleagues, family, friends, anyone who is at a loss for things to do at the moment. I'm personally inviting Boris. Why not take a, f why not take a photo of the quiz evening poster and send it to your friends and say what a great thing to do. So you got the point. Come and talk to me now. Thanks very much. Brilliant. And we're going to conclude at that point. Thank you so much, Graham. Uh, refreshments are going to be served out there. Let's spend time and enjoy fellowship with one another. And don't forget to recruit people to join your team for the quiz night. Thank you.